Well, we're grateful for what God has done and continues to do in our lives. And sometimes um, we have to see through things in order to get a perspective. Um, When things are happening and things are going on in the moment, sometimes we just don't see clearly. So the title of my message is, What Does Thinking, Shielding, Fruitful, and Wolves Have to Do with Us? (laughs) And what on earth is he doing now? Well, we'll hopefully find out. So what does thinking, shielding, fruitful, and wolves have to do with us? Well, the the scripture is in Philippians chapter 4, basically verse 7, but verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. We've we've read these before and spoken on them. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Will Will keep constant guard over your hearts and minds, as they rest in Christ Jesus. Resting in Christ, hearts and minds. All right. Did you know that thinking, now some people don't think, I won't go there, but thinking is a record keeping. And remembering is reviewing the record. So in our minds, we're constantly uh, taking notes and recording the events of the day and the emotions that go with those events. And it becomes a challenge for us because the Proverbs, and I didn't give this to, to Terry, uh, but it's Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. As he thinks in his soul, so he is. So we find that what goes on in our record keeping and what goes on in our remembering And the emotions that are attached to those memories and those thoughts become our way of belief. Because we, if you hear something long enough and and, uh, distort it enough, we'll believe it. And I mean, such as the things, you know, there, there there are cluttering thoughts that come into our minds. Disappointments, drama, Stress, worry, guilt, jealousy. These are all events that we record. It's, it's, I think the, the statistic is uh, for every bad thing, we have to have at least 10 good things to outweigh it. You would think that, you know, in our mind, you know, it's like we have this scale, and we'll, if, one bad things, if one bad thing happens, what do we do? Focus on it. <laughs> Well, and it's, 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 you know, it's kind of good. And, I mean, it's not good, but it's what we do. If you, if you hit your finger with a hammer and it hurts, what are you going to think about? <laughs> you think about your finger. Well, what about all the rest of the things going on? I don't care. My finger hurts. <laughs> so we usually identify and put the pain in a very special place. And that special place, there's even in our, in our brain... Whenever I, um, when I did a, a lot of counseling and for some reason I uh, had a number of individuals that were trauma, traumatized, and I, I found out that in this, there's a little place in our brain, and I don't know the technical name for it, but it's a little part in our brain where trauma memory is stored. Now, I mean, you know, abuse, beatings, shootings, um, you know, uh, rape, um, 
drive by. Those things are, in, those things are right there. And they're in this little part of our brain. And that when the trigger, when something comes up that triggers it, that emotion will come right to the surface. And that I, I, had, I had individuals who were physically abused, tied up, burnt, so on. And they had, and 10% of the people, this was the statistic back then, 10% of the people who have trauma memory have trauma memory and body memories. That the ropes, the, the burns on their wrists would come to, to the surface. And that you could see it on their wrists where they were tied up. And that's trauma memory. So trauma is a very real thing. And when people get hurt and hurt very deeply, we store those things. And it only is in the relationship with Jesus Christ that we are able to heal those memories so that they don't continue to distort and destroy what goes on in our life. So the scripture tells us to guard our mind. Hmm. Guard what you think because your thinking is making a record. You know, many people don't know what a record is anymore. You know, <laughs> you know CDs and, you know, chips and whatever. But anyhow, a record in this case is a record book, writing records. But anyhow, so we have this record going on inside of us where we keep things in our brain. Now, we, well, me, I have, the, I have the great ability to just absolutely forget everything. You know, it just doesn't matter. I just, just one of those things. It's a gift, you know, <laughs> that I can look right at people and not even know who they are. Right, Linda? I keep picking her because on Wednesday, one Wednesday night, she sat down and I sat there and I, it's like, okay, I can't remember her name. <laughs> it's like, what on earth going on here? But that's okay. It's not special. I can do that with anybody, you know? <laughs> it's just a gift I have. And it's just like it goes away. And where it went, I have no idea. So this is payback for that, all that one time that I will always try to remember. But you'll, it'll come back that I don't remember who you are. So I don't know what it is, but I don't. But there is in our brain the ability to recall everything that went on in our life. If you don't believe me, <laughs> uh, well, in hospice, when people were... Um, Dementia, you know, things. People would go, I always likened um, our life, when, when describing what was going on to, with individuals and to their families and things, I would say, and I know this is a Bible, but I'm just going to use it as a, it's just kind of like a book. Well, this book would be a person's life. And in their brain, they would go back to some place 50 years ago, open up the page, and that is the reality of where they live. They can tell you everything that's on that page just like, and they believe they are living it at that very moment. Now, if you ask them before the problems, before that, what happened on this date in such and such a time? Oh, I don't know. But in that place, there's, sometimes there's this ability to go back to any page in our memory, pull it up, and think you're living there. So those things are all stored. Now, the challenge for us is <laughs> quit dwelling on the thoughts that tell you what you're not. <laughs> Don't talk about and remember what you're not. 
Be anxious for nothing. So being anxious is looking at what I'm not and tying an emotion to it. And, you know, I've spoken about this a number of times, about thinking and whatever. But it's okay. When we get it straight, I'll stop. <laughs> That's a little joke there. <laughs> it's like the, they asked the preacher, you know, he preached the same sermon every Sunday. And they said, preacher, when are you going to stop preaching the same Sunday? He says, when you get it right, I'll quit. So, so when, we are, when we look at the program that we put in place, program is remembering. When we put the program in place, our memories in place, we set your thoughts in order about what God says to us. What does God say? He loves us. He's never had one negative thought about you. What about all your sins? Well, he wasn't paying attention to your sins. He's, his, his, God's plan is what, he, what you are to become. And, and your sins are the things that you've put as a roadblock to God's spirit coming into your life. So when we finally get rid of our sins and allow the spirit to do the work in our lives, we will become what God has called us to be. So we, we need to recognize that and not worry about sins and failures and past. So... We've been wonderfully made in the image of God and with a quiet confidence, with a quiet confidence, we need to allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to come together in our hearts and minds and we approach God. So I am one of a kind. <laughs> I'm talented, I'm equipped, I'm empowered. Now we sometimes say, well, you know, this is <laughs> a little bit beyond me. I'm not all those things, but guess what? We are. God has given them to us. Did you know that, you know, <laughs> I was thinking of the, uh, the, the story. It's, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm old. I forget. I'll repeat things. So anyhow, <laughs> the, the guy's praying, God, clear the cobwebs from my mind. Remember that? God, clear the cobwebs from my mind. God, clear the cobwebs from my mind. And so the preacher every week is here, and God, you know, God clear, finally goes up to the guy, puts his hand on the guy, and says, God, kill the spider. Okay? You got the idea? Clear up your mind. Get rid of the things that are destroying and creating the cobwebs. Fear can't stay where faith is. Fear and faith, oil and water, don't mix. Discouragement can't stay where hope is. Stress can't stay where peace is. Guilt cannot stay where forgiveness is. Mediocrity can't stay where greatness is. An uncluttered mind is a powerful force in the hand of God. Hmm. So, with that in mind, that's our thinking. Well, what about shielding? Oh, shielding. Well, God has also qualified us to be ministers of a new promise. This is 2 Corinthians 3. God has qualified us to be ministers of a new promise, a spiritual promise, not a written one. Clearly, what was written brings death, but what the Spirit brings is life. So Paul is addressing here the, 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 the church at Corinth, and he's trying to get them to move from the letter of the law to the working of the Spirit. And the, the Judaizers, well, the Jews that were part of the congregation, you know, they're, they're, they're going back, they, they have the law. And, it, you know, it's very, it's understandable 
where they're coming from because God gave Moses the Ten Commandments for the people of Israel. He did. And the, the Ten Commandments that, when, when, uh, that uh, God gave, I mean, these are the commands of God. Don't, you know, don't have any other gods before, you know. And, but what, ha- what was wrong with it was, these, this is what's wrong. This is what you can't do. But people couldn't change their hearts. Hmm. So what goes on whenever we have the veil? Well, Moses, whenever he came down from the Mount Sinai, where he had received the, the uh, Ten Commandments, his face was so glowing that the people couldn't look at it. And so Moses had to wear a veil because the people couldn't look at his face. But what the veil did was it hid the fading that was going on in Moses because of being away from the presence of God. You see, in 2 Corinthians 3.12, with this hope in our hearts, we are quite frank. Paul is saying here, we are very bold and open in our ministry. Um, we're, we're going to be very plain in our speech. We are not like Moses, who veiled his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing its fading glory. But it was their minds, really, which were blinded, that were behind the veil. See, taking away the veil, we have to know what our thinking is, and we have to take away the veil that really hides the truth of who we are and what we believe. Because of who Jesus is, it's more than just well, it is the truth about God, and we need to allow that truth to be exposed. And see, it was their minds which were really blinded or made dull, verse 14. For even today, when the old agreement, the old covenant, whenever they would read the Old Testament, is read to them, there is still a veil over their minds, though the veil has actually been lifted by Christ. They would hear the testament, they would hear the scriptures of the Old Testament, but they couldn't see Jesus in it. Think about our friends and family and people we talk to about Jesus. It's as if they have this, they can't see Jesus in this. They can't see Jesus in our testimony. They don't see Christ in our life. That's why we, as believers, need to allow the message of Jesus to be lived out through us. Now, of course, we have, we have times we fail, we, you know, things go wrong. You know, that happens. <laughs> But the, the children of Israel, when they, they had the scripture, they had the declaration of God, they had the prophets and they had the writings of God, and then came the fulfillment of that, which was in, was in Christ. And the Jewish people couldn't see Jesus in being fulfilled when he came. That's why they crucified him. So even to this day, many have still have a veil on their hearts when they hear about Jesus Christ. For the Lord to whom they could turn in the spirit of the new agreement, new covenant, they, 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 uh, whenever the spirit of the Lord is, men's souls are set free. So whenever we accept Christ, that veil which hid Jesus from us is taken away. But all of us who are Christians have no veil. Verse, verse 18 they have no veil on our face, but reflect like mirrors the glory of the Lord. We reflect the image of Christ. 
we are transfigured. We are changed into the same image. So when the veil is taken away from our own lives and we are following the life of Christ, and what we do, we're thinking the thoughts that God has placed in our hearts and his word in our hearts, we are then changed into the image of Christ. And by the Spirit of the Lord is an ever-increasing splendor in his own image. Changed into his own image. Well, with this correct understanding of the word, the unveiling of our own eyes, we move to Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we find that correct thinking, the correct record of the word, the removing of the veil brings to us as we are serving God and seeing the image of Christ being reflected in us, what does that image look like? It looks like the Spirit. It looks like Jesus himself. Because if you want to know the character of Jesus, we see, the perfect, we see what perfect love is and perfect joy is. What perfect peace is. That someone is long-suffering, even to those who want to destroy him. He's filled with kindness and goodness even to those who want to hurt him. He is faithful to the call, I come to do the will of the Father. He is gentle, he brings the children to him. Self-control. He never loses control and the circumstances don't control him. You know, what does clutter do? Clutter, disappointment, drama, stress, worry, guilt, jealousy, there's no fruit in that. Nothing grows in, in clutter. Nothing grows in disappointment. So the more we record it, the more we look at it, the more it, nothing changes. It's like watching an old western. It never changes. <laughs> I'm laughing because I watch old westerns. You know, haven't we seen this? The, the, I love this. This is the classic the classic, the classic word. I'm watching a Western and she walks in and says, haven't we seen this one before? <laughs> Maybe 40 times, you know. Well, don't you know how it ends? I says, yeah, I can tell you what he's going to say next. Okay, <laughs> well, maybe you should do something else with your life. Okay, but anyhow, we find that these things, that doesn't change. The outcome never changes with disappointment. But the, the hope that we have brings hope that what is we have experienced will become something else. Galatians 5, but the Spirit, this is 5.22 through 25 from the Phillips translation, it says, the Spirit, however, produces in human life fruits. The Spirit produces fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, fidelity, tolerance, and self-control. No law exists against any of them. No law. Don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. No law is against these. And as we allow the spirit of truth recording in our minds what these things are and we attach emotions to this love of God that we share with others, this kindness of God we give to others, what are we doing? We're recording that which is good. 
and we're putting emotions to it. So the Bible has contributed many expressions. Did you know that the uh, wolf in sheep's clothing, and we've all heard that, wolf in sheep's clothing, that, that, um, that's the last part of our sermon, wolf, you know. Okay, so wolf in sheep's clothing, where did it come from? Who originated it? Well, we know, of course, Jesus. Yes, thank you very much. So anyhow, we know it was Jesus. Now, most of the time, people uh, associate it with Aesop's, Aesop, Aesop's fables and think that it is a Greek, uh, a Greek mythology statement. But it actually comes from Jesus when he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Oh, Ravenous wolves. So what do wolves have to do with us? Well, second, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20, the King James says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. Did you know that wrong thoughts are ravaging wolves? <laughs> Did you know that jealousy and anger and bitterness are ravaging wolves? Because they come in sheep's clothing. They come to us and they tell us, you deserve to be upset. <laughs> you deserve to get them back. It's like, yes, that's a sheep. No, that's a wolf. <laughs> that's a wolf <laughs> coming after, trying to disrupt the recording that's in our mind, the recording of that which is good. Because we find that ravaging wolves, <laughs> we're able to know them by their fruit. What good do they do? Do men gather grapes of thorns and figs of, of thistles? Is there anything good <laughs> that comes out of getting even? Is there anything growing out of hatred that is eternal? Is there anything good that comes from the idea, you're not good enough? What grows? Nothing. Ravaging wolves. They come in sheep's clothing. You deserve to have this. You know, this is, you know, this is a problem they did. They did this to you, and it hurt you. I got a smashed finger. I hit it with a hammer. It's not my fault. It's the hammer. <laughs> In our lives, we look at these things and we associate them with good. Or, or why would we continue to keep them? Why would we keep things that are absolutely worthless? You want to come to my garage? <laughs> why do we keep things that are absolutely worthless? <laughs> you want to come to my closet? Well, I know that someday I'm going to fit into those things again. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so how do, how do we distinguish wolves from sheep? The answer is by their fruits. By their fruits. What good is going to come from being angry? What, fruit, what good is going to come against being resentful and hurt, discouraged, despair, frustrated? What good comes of that? Absolutely nothing. So why do we keep it? 
Jesus says that it's going to be their fruit. So what fruit does your love, forgiveness, being gracious, long-suffering, helpful, what fruit comes from that? Hey, we're reflecting the image of Jesus. The true nature of people will ultimately reveal itself by their words, their deeds, and their fruit. So we want our words and our deeds and our fruit to be reflective of who we are. And guess what? We're not perfect. (laughs) We're not perfect. We will fail, we will fall on our face, and we will get up, and we will be embarrassed, and we will, you know, hey, what happens when you fall down? You get up real quick and look, see if anybody saw me. (laughs) Well, the idea is we don't have to worry about it because God knows who we are, and he'll help us get over the fear of falling. So you see, the outward manifestation of good and evil separates the two, of fruit and non-fruit. It separates it. Specifically, those who live by the Spirit reveal the life of Christ. And Paul calls that the fruit of the Spirit. And you see, it isn't something you produce. It's something the Holy Spirit produces in you. So God and I together make this work. Trying to do it on our own isn't going to make it. A machine can do work, but only a life can, be, can bear fruit. <laughs> and only our lives can bear the fruit of what we have recorded. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, it is the word of our soul. What have we written in our soul? What have we written so that God, will, with a reflection of Jesus Christ, will come through who we are? God loves us. God loves you. God is <laughs> he's willing to forgive and to help us overcome our weaknesses. It's to be reflective in, in who we are and what we do. It's not just one of these fruits. Which one of these can I have? You can have them all. We can have them all growing together in one life just as Jesus did. Allowing the Holy Spirit to bring forth God's fruit in his season. In the season that God has for your life. The true nature of people will ultimately reveal itself by their words, their deeds, and their fruit. And so in our lives we want the true nature, the nature of our soul to be revealed in our words and our deeds and our fruit. If we fail, it's okay. Get up and keep going. Specifically, those who live by the Spirit reveal the life of Christ. Not perfect, but Christ in us is evident. And the scripture we read at the beginning, and the peace of God, which transcends our understanding. What's it going to do? It's going to keep our hearts and our minds. So thinking, what was the title of the sermon? Thinking, shielding, um, fruit, and wolves. What do they have to do with us? Thinking. Think on these things. Record them. They are being recorded. Review them. Shielding, 
remove the veil. Allow the veil, allow ourselves to see Jesus Christ and to, for Jesus Christ to be seen in us. Fruitful, bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And wolves, well, they come in sheep's clothing. They are false prophets. They are wrong teachers. They are wrong thoughts. They are distractions. They create clutter. <laughs> so we find that we are to think on these things, things that are lovely and true and honest, just, pure, good report, virtue and praise. These are the thoughts that we must record. The events will happen. <laughs> I smashed my finger with a hammer. Those recordings will be there. But you know what? The finger will heal. We don't need to keep recording and allow that pain to continue to rule our lives. Forgive them and let it go. <laughs> That's the message of Christ. That's how thinking, shielding, fruitful, and wolves come together in us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that you bless us with your spirit, your word, your grace, your mercy. We are grateful. We ask your love, O oh God, to hold us close to you. Your mercy, O oh God, to help us be merciful and move our hearts beyond the pain of what, is, what may or may not have happened. Thank you, God, that you love us, forgive us, and keep us close to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. <laughs>